The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. The March 14th edition of the PFF Forecast. I'm not doing that. Not leaning over. I'm going to look nice and happy during this podcast. We're going to have some mean tweets. <laughs> We've got funny tweets. I'm trying here, man. I'm going to even out the scale. <laughs> We've got a, a first win total of the season. We're going to talk about all of the trades and a lot of the free agent signings and then our team review with the fifth pick the tampa bay bucks are on the clock let's rock all right where do you want to start well let's start with uh I know where we'll start. My The bet that I lost. We'll start with next week. Because as you'll notice, if you're watching, I told people to watch this on YouTube to expect greatness. To expect a spectacle for their eyes. A, a feast, physical countenance. A feast for their eyes. Because you failed to press 225 overhead. Uh, it wasn't really close. Um, I think you uh, tapped out at 185. And it wasn't all your fault. Neil was on your side, and I think Neil, our founder, Neil Hornsby, I, I think he didn't coach you well enough. So I'm going to blame him partially for this. Neil yeah. has been eating as he lost this bet, and I forced him to eat Nathan Yankee's uh, diet, which mm-hmm. consists of microwavable cheese pizza and Coke Zero. So he's in the process of actually slowly killing himself. Your uh, forfeit was to wear a Zeke cutoff shirt of your favorite band. Now, something happened uh, with the delivery of the shirt. So that is going to happen next week. Next week, you are going to look like you've never looked before. And on top of that, we're going to have, I guess this is our first guest. Yep. Well, we had Steve on once. But we yes. had Steve on once, but this is our first external guest. We're going to have a Hall of Famer. On the podcast, Fred Gadelli, uh, who is, I guess, my boss in some way, uh, shape or form. He is the producer of Sunday Night Football. He produced Monday Night Football back when it was very good. He's produced many, many drafts. He is a New York Giants fan through and through. Through and through. So it is going to be a blast. He is a historian of football similar to to you. He is um, an incredibly successful guy in terms of what he's done. So it should be a blast. I, I for one hope that after a week of not eating so that i will look halfway presentable in the (laughs) zeke crop top uh that i'll still be able to you know function properly on wednesday to to talk to the great uh fred goodelli but uh yeah um i'm really excited for that the the good thing is the thing is i would say i didn't top out i mean i topped out at about 205 well so that's i was going to bring that up to speak to how poor neil's coaching was on Monday of last week, you hit 205, and I got a little worried. I was supremely confident when I made the bet because we work out every day together. You know my limitations. But then I saw you get 205 up. I said, you know, maybe, maybe with enough adrenaline, he could get there. And, you know, Neil just did you wrong. You know, Neil's been a great sport this entire time. In fact, like, despite eating what I imagine is arguably food this week, he has had a lot of energy. His tweets, his weekly or his, his daily three inter- daily interviews, three question daily interviews. Inter- uh, I would go with interrogations. Yeah, because yeah. they're in the dark at six forty-five. This is I have never seen Neil more excited about anything as I've seen him like this week during free. agency. It's also free agency week, and he gets Neil. The cool thing we I berated Neil a little bit. One of the coolest things about Neil is how much he loves football, and yeah. so it's a, it's been a blast to see him suffer through eating cheese pizza and be excited about free agency. We also know the first game of next year, Canton, the Hall of Fame game, which is going to have future Hall of Famer Joe Flacco in it. I'm sure Fred is already prepping for it, so we'll be able to talk to him about that as well. Exciting let's go to stuff. let's go to mean tweets. Let's start with this. So. Um, you know what the you know what the me losing the bet's really going to benefit is it's going to it's going to lessen the burden on you in terms of mean tweets for at least one week. 
because I will be probably the subject of them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good point. But until then, we have HOF Coach Tim. So presumably somebody named Tim who is a Hall of Fame coach, maybe in his own mind, maybe <laughs> in somebody else's mind. Um, but he, he starts off, and I believe this is t- for our Jets or 49ers video up on YouTube. Great stuff. Dumbass Shahuri going off, dot, dot, dot. Somebody please tell this guy our top need is pass rush, referring to the 49ers, not secondary. We will pursue, pursue Earl Thomas nonetheless. Hall of Fame coach. And likely get a cornerback either in free agency or the draft, but two edge rushers and inside linebacker are our top needs first. Capitalize. We will not, not trade down. Jesus how does this guy still have a job at PFF? Which I can only presume that last sentence is a prayer. Look, anytime you can ask Jesus a question when you lead off with dumbass, <laughs> got to do it, man. Uh, I love these. These are great. Um, next one is from Matt. Not getting, not getting Earl Thomas an upset. Uh. <laughs> well, look, if you have a Hall of Fame coach on the job, you'd expect to get it done. Matt N. said... Edited. Yeah, he had to, I can't imagine what this said first. Pretty much done trusting anything related to PFF after watching this straight up pathetic PS. Fat Ben Roethlisberger over there should really cut some weight. Wow. Aggressive Whoa. by Matt N over there. God, George. I know George has gained a little bit of weight here, but geez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was interested in this segment, Garrett Hens, until it got repetitive and illogical. Me too. Just saying trade down for every team isn't really that realistic, nor is it really applicable for every team. Well, we were referring to one team at the time, but let's go on. Especially in this quarterback poor draft. He's watched all the tape. I doubt more than a few teams even try to trade up, making this whole discussion moot. If you want to argue corner versus D-line versus receiver, uh uh-oh, I have to read more. Anyway, he, he goes on to discuss how he knows that he knows that he knows that D-line is more important than coverage players. Uh, he felt it. Um, he didn't say anything mean about fat Seth Rogen over there, though. Those are my favorite. I have to throw those in because I'm the one that gets all the hate. So people think that I look mean and am mean and they let me know about it, which I think is funny because I actually make a conscious effort to try and be positive about yeah. things because I know that I tend to come off in my natural resting state as looking pissed off. In fact, every time I'm about to go somewhere with my girlfriend, she reminds me to smile and like pretend to be happy on purpose because George is the first person in the history of the world where a woman tells him to smile more. Thanks. Yeah. So, so here's, here's an interesting thing. So yeah, the, the Seth Rogen thing, the Ben Roethlisberger thing, I think you're adding the weight component to it. However, the, 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 those are, those are like the digs that make up for all like the, you know, it's, I added nothing. <laughs> I added absolutely the, nothing. The eight, the, it's like an 18 to one bet, right? Like you get 18, you know, c- small comments and then I get the hammer, which is you know, comparing me to Seth Rogen. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Who's the guy that ate Seth Rogen? Wow. <laughs> that is aggressive. Okay. Uh, we have some funny football tweets uh, as well. This one pertaining to your Vikings. So a uh, this is the, the week that The Bachelor finished. And it's funny that it happens on the same at the same time as free agency. Um, just made me think again that the Draftler, the free, uh, free agent lure would work really well um, with teams pining for players uh, affection listen if fred if fred wants to change gears a little <laughs> yeah. bit nbc's sh- the draft we'll pitch it to him i bet you he has not watched the bachelor but we'll ask anyways um so uh <laughs> speaking of the bachelor a team uh, that is in need of losing its virginity the vikings had anthony barr uh on his way to new york and we were told countless times by people on Twitter that, you know, Greg Williams is going to know. He's going to know better than we will how to utilize Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr hears this and makes a U-turn, goes back to the Vikings, which is great for you because now your Super Bowl hope's intact. Yeah, this tweet from Dave Mason at betonline.ag. Vikings were plus 1,800 to win the Super Bowl with Anthony Barr. The Vikings were plus 1,800 to win the Super Bowl without Anthony Barr. And the Vikings are plus 1,800 to win the Super Bowl with Anthony Barr. Congratulations. 
inside linebackers, man. Can I ask value? You, can I ask you this as a a Vikings fan? So you obviously know a lot of people. Were they like really excited to get him back? Because they're probably still going to play him at that same position. I, I would almost argue like it's you might as well give him a shot at being an edge rusher because his coverage has been terrible. Almost everybody I knew that. I thought, you know, that they, I thought understand the Vikings well, thought that Barr was gone and that the Vikings were not going to value him much. Um, I think what was the most surprising thing is that another team like forced the Vikings hand into overpaying him. I thought that that was like one of the least likely, uh, you know, outcomes. People like him and think he's really good and think he's an integral part of that defense. It appears Zimmer feels the same way. I'm a little skeptical. I even wrote the the curious career of Anthony Barr in Minnesota and then published it, I think, like Monday or Tuesday night, and then it got, like, switched because of this silly news. So, I don't know. Anyway, good for Anthony Barr for getting paid. I don't think it's going to, as Dave Mason BOL says, it's not going to move the needle much for the Vikings, uh, and it might hurt them in terms of signing free agents, you know, say, to protect Cousins. Just got to get those guards solidified. All right, let's uh, let's talk trades here. So the first trade that happened, um, Antonio Brown for a third, number 66, and a fifth, number 142. They also end up paying him more. So goes up from about like $39 million to $50 million, uh, over the next three, two, three years. Um, and to me, we talked about this before, Antonio Brown versus Odell, which one would you rather trade for? And we thought that Odell would require two first-round picks. So we were kind of, well, if you have to give up a second for Antonio Brown, like that's the way to go. So in your mind, was this a huge win for the Raiders? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the money is the money doesn't have as much utility to the Raiders as it does to a team like the Chiefs or the Vikings or a team that's strapped against the cap. So, um, you know, you can only do so much in free agency like they have, you know, but like having more money as we've seen with the jets just makes you make more mistakes right so uh i have no problem with sort of buying into brown for these next few years especially given how it sort of screws over the raider or screws over the steelers too and then the draft pick compensation is almost nothing so um you're gonna get i think a couple pretty good years out of brown regardless of who that qb is and then if you take a chance and go up and get Kyler Murray you're going to have a a number one receiver to go with him I think adding Tyrell Williams in addition to this really helps their offense right Um, Trent Brown is not it wasn't a great signing but he's going to probably play an okay left tackle for them talk about Trent so so I think this is a good trade for the for the Raiders it's there's no way that you are approaching the level of production with a receiver that you're picking in at number 66 no chance this also helps them avoid over picking DK Metcalf, for example, right? So you have this opportunity now to provide whoever is throwing passes for the 49ers, a guy, two guys now that they can actually throw the ball to who will get open. So that's huge. To me, the next step is then to try and trade up for Kyler Murray. I just don't, I think we have enough of a sample size of Derek Carr to know that he is going to top out at, you know, 12 to 15 guy in his best season. However, if, even Big if Ben they, wasn't good last year. Right. That's, so, the, like, that's the funny thing is that people make it seem as if he's taken a step down. Antonio Brown, that is. I don't think there's any uh, evidence to that whatsoever. So we're in agreement. I think the Antonio Brown trade was easily one of the three or four best moves that has happened so far in free agency. That brings us to the Odell Beckham trade. So Odell Beckham, who I don't know if you know this terrible person horrible person destroyed the culture of the giants single-handedly the reason they have not been a super bowl contender yeah, i mean how many super bowls th- have they won since he, he was on the team forced them to throw the ball in situations where they could have run he has been traded they have got him off of the team um for a first number 17 and a third number 95 plus uh mr jabril peppers yeah, so we talked about two first-round picks. Like, you have to sort of squint to see that here, but a, th- a first plus a guy who well, was a first. You really do because Jabril Preppers <laughs> lines up 45 yards <laughs> off right. line of scrimmage. So, so, so Peppers, you can kind of like, I would say, you know, you only get two years of his rookie deal, but he was a first-round pick. Even if you take him plus that third, you are sort of talking about value that approaches two first-round picks. So the Giants at least got some return here. Um, but 
good golly. They have they make almost no sense in terms of like anything they do th- like from a thematic perspective. You're you're rebuilding with a 38 year old quarterback making 22 million dollars a year. You you obviously want to like build an offensive line around him. That's why they got the Zeitler in the trade. Um, you know, you're you got Soldier Hernandez a season ago. Like Soldier, what a great great pickup by them. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, Trent Brown. So 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 like, and then you draft Barkley, and you're like, okay, we're in win now mode. We're trying to we're trying to leverage all these things. Then you stink for a year, and now you're like, let's rebuild. But then you're not quite like. I mean, they are somewhat in position to get somebody like Haskins, but do they really believe that Haskins is this rebuilding around type of quarterback? So it is really curious. And of course, like as our friend Kevin Clark said on the Ringer today, like trading your best player is almost never good. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, by the way, very good article by Kevin Clark on the Ringer. Go check it out. Um, well, I had the name somewhere, but I don't have it. Anyways, just go find it. Yeah, Ringer. searching for superstars in NFL's bargain bin on the Ringer. He makes a, he makes a lot of great points. I think one of them that that we were talking about at the office privately, and we've had discussions with Neil about and all that kind of stuff is this idea of culture. Like when you have talented people, it is on the onus of management and is on the onus of the coaches to manage those pokes. Like Odell Beckham was not a problem to be solved; he was a tension to be managed. These are. These are things where if you have talented people, like you're never going to get a good football team of 53 choir boys. It is never going to happen. And well, here, here's and, a so you have to be here's able a to slightly more pessimistic view on it. Everyone kind of sucks, and yeah. in a bad situation, people are going. Those things are going to metastasize, and and that is why management is tough yeah. because what you are doing is working with a variety of different types of people who have different leanings and things like that. And that's why it's so hard to do those things. And that's why they pay general managers and coaches so much money. The situation dictates how these things happen. That's why the Patriots can bring in players like a Randy Moss, who, you know, people are losing their mind over his culture destruction in other places. And then he comes over there. So uh, to me, the way that Odell Beckham uh, was portrayed because I actually don't think his actions were nearly as no. bad as they were portrayed. I mean, if um, you're a wide receiver and you're not pissed off that Eli Manning is your quarterback, there's something wrong with you. Like, fair. Like, Th- this is very acting fair. Acting rationally. This is very fair. But um, th- this is a reflection of, uh, to me, what Dave Gettleman has sort of failed to do since he, he came over there. Um, but this is a huge win for the Browns, right? They legitimize themselves as a juggernaut offense in a time where you have to have a great offense to win in the NFL, particularly well, a great offense means you're great at passing the ball. They've also made some plays on the coverage side of the ball. So establish the pass, stop the pass has been their MO, which is great. My question to you is this. You're a Chiefs fan, a Mahomes and Tyreek Hill fan. Over the next three to five years, is there a duo you would rather have than Odell and Baker? Yeah, I mean, I'd still take Mahomes and Hill. Um, Hill Hill's gonna Hill's younger, less injury history. Um, Mahomes, I think, is a better prospect than Mayfield, but I think it's close. I, I do think it's very close. I think it's a really interesting conversation. Obviously, they haven't played together yet. To me. Odell is a more versatile receiver mm-hmm. than Tyreek Hill is, and Mahomes, see, you know, after one year, has been a more exciting prospect the, than Mayfield. The though. receiver that I always compared Hill to, because a lot of people wanted to compare him to like Percy Harvin and gadget guys like Tavon Austin and all that BS. No, I thought it was Steve be. Smith. Oh, interesting. I thought Tyreek Hill was a faster version of Steve Smith. He's a number one receiver who's just smaller and does a lot of those big things. Okay, but I think so. Beckham, I was going to say Deshaun Jackson, but Beckham is to me Beckham is, as you said, I think Beckham is a better overall player. Um, as a receiver just because of a few like he's going to win the jump balls he's going to do i think hill just wins one way a couple different ways which is being faster and quicker than everybody but i think beckham is faster and quicker than everybody has great hands great leaping ability i just think the difference between mayfield and mahomes is a little bit bigger than than than, uh, i think we'll find out a lot this year because to me what mahomes had in his 
year off. People think of Mahomes as a rookie. I don't. So I really want to see them after this year. Mayfield dealt with Hugh Jackson. So, so, so I, if I you so you look at our you know if you look at some places, so the over under for the Browns win total has been posted. First it's one nine and a half. It started the week at even money for over nine and a half minus one forty on under nine and a half. It currently stands at plus one fifty at not over nine and a half minus two hundred. Are we starting on the under? Are we starting to get to where the over has an, some value? Nine and a half. Nine and a half is a lot uh, to me. The big question mark here is Freddie Kitchens. I think there was a little bit of variance to each side on the week one through eight and the week nine through 17 side of things that um, I, I'm not quite ready to buy in yeah. on, right? Ton of drops, all of a sudden no drops. Now the receivers are getting better, obviously, so that should help. Um, but winning 10 games is tough, man. The Ravens are going to be competitive once again. The Steelers have started to reload. They have a skinny version of me at quarterback, apparently. So, <laughs> the I, not my words, <laughs> not your words. <laughs> the the thing about the Browns that's going to be tough is that they face the AFC East, which true is I think the Patriots game is a loss. Generally, you have to assume they face the NFC West, which you know the Rams are a Super Bowl team. Seahawks are a, gr- a good team that we think might regress, but are a good team. The Niners the are Niners, going to the Super Bowl this year. The so Niners are be, are, are be two are Super be okay. Bowl teams, really. And Kyler Murray is going to want some revenge for having to sit behind Mayfield when they face yeah. the Cardinals. So, to me, it's going to be it's going to be tough from a schedule perspective. Um, but I can certainly see you know if this gets up to like plus two hundred, I kind of want to take it. Um, what if it goes? Da- what if it just goes down to nine when when they because they'll re-release these obviously once they release them all. If it's if it's Don't, even at nine, I probably would take I because you get the opportunity for a push at nine and seven. A lot, yeah. I I think it's it's I think nine is a far better number here than nine and a half. I think that's what the juice is showing. Nine is really tough for me. I I have a hard time, man. Rooting against Mayfield too. I mean, like I mean that's, that's that's what I was about to say. I I I really like um, Mayfield. I really like a lot of players on that on that team. Uh, they're fans. I feel that we have some here. It'd be nice to see them. Yeah, succeed. Okay. Uh, Can we talk about D four D niner for a little bit? Please stop. D four. That, that joke was not received well in Skype last night. No, was not. Uh, D Ford a pass rusher who was great last year has been anything but consistent over the course of his career traded for a 2020 second and of course he was tagged so the real thing here is a sort of a signing five years 90 million as someone that once cheered for d ford what do you think well he certainly has more utility for the niners than he does for the chiefs that being said i think this is a bit much uh, I think, you know, for Kansas City, um, the uncertainty associated with a guy who had four mediocre at best seasons, who's pretty one dimensional and who is going to cost a lot of a cap that they don't have a ton of. This was a good trade for them. And I think and I think you, getting a second next year is a pretty solid move. They got a second this year for Marcus Peters last year. Um, and then not having to pay this amount of money gives them a lot of freedom. They have Ronald Darby in the in the, in the uh, city today. If they, I mean, once, if you once think, you get to Kansas City, Missouri, once you, you get don't to leave. Kansas City, you don't leave. So um, mainly because you just don't want to go back to the airport. They did a really good job of generating Bad pressure airport. on the quarterback last year, uh, and it didn't matter. Being negative was, was great. Was, airport, love Kansas City, so bad. Barbecue's amazing. Yeah, the Power and Light District. Okay, okay. as a forty er fan. Um, I, I'm not jazzed about it, obviously, given the amount of money that you are paying a pass rusher when you literally can't cover anyone. And part of what we're going to do next week is rehash the coverage versus um, pressure debate uh, versus uh, pass rush debate, right? Because more people have thrown their hats into the ring. We've heard some talks about, okay, well, let's actually think about the way offenses will attack you given different strengths and and so um we're going to rehash that but knowing what we already know 
which is that at a very macro level and with a large sample size, coverage is more important for winning games than pass rush. I think it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, the pick is like, you know, not great, but whatever. Um, I mean, the Niners are clearly trying to at least get themselves to 500 or better this year. So. Can, I, can I say this, though? Here's my positivity reigning in. Got to sit up. The positivity, uh, George, is saying this. D Ford being brought in makes them trying to trade down more likely. Uh, they don't need a pass rusher as much. People won't start, you know, losing their minds in the streets of San Francisco or San Jose, uh, where they actually play, if they don't end up getting both. As HOF coach Tim said, they need an inside linebacker and two edge rushers, though. So That's you've only gotten need. one. Well, we also got a, li- a linebacker in Quan Alexander. God. <laughs> I don't know if we can talk about this. I might yeah. get fired. Seitler for Vernon was another trade. Uh, who cares? Um, the trade that I actually like is Deshaun Jackson, who I mentioned earlier. Do you not like the Deshaun Jackson Tyreek Hill comparison? Like, no, like I prime like Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I think I think, think Hill's more versatile. Yeah, it's weird though. Like, I think Jackson's a different like sounds stupid, but a different body type. Well, T- Hill's small and compact, and, and sure, Jackson's but both so fast, skinny and tall. Yeah, like Deshaun Jackson, his prime was just getting behind your defense. Yeah, well, that, and that's what that's what Hill does, and they both return kicks pretty well, and so that's a good that's a good. And Jackson was a number one receiver, getting thousand yard oh, seasons yeah. like he Hill. He was really good. Hill is now, um, but Deshaun Jackson now goes to the Eagles, and this brings us back to our culture point. The Eagles have built a strong culture. They have built a winning team. It allows them to steal players like Deshaun Jackson from teams with terrible culture or unproven culture like the Bucks currently have with Bruce Arians coming in. And that's what the Steelers do. The Eagles are doing it here. Just pilfering players that are going to be far more valuable on their team than they are to other people's teams. Um, I thought this was a great move. Yeah, I, I, I think... And Positivity. As we talked about, I think, on the YouTube channel... That he's not going to be asked to do all that much, and he's going to and guys like Nelson Aguilar are going to be asked to do less, which is good because he's good as a bit player, not a a full time player on the outside for them. Okay, we've moved on uh, past the trades, so here's what we're going to do for a little free agency rundown. Play a little good cop, bad cop. You get to be the bad cop. I have to say only positive things about each of these signings. We're going to keep this nice and quick. Are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Okay, let's do this. Adrian Amos uh, to the Packers, 437, 11 guaranteed. I thought this was fantastic. Uh, Mike Renner also thought this was fantastic. I don't know if he wrote an article about it. I think he did. You could probably check it out at ProFootballFocus.com. Mike, Mike barely had his pants on during a few of these like Packers pickups on the That's true. Here's the thing. It's a guy that um, is versatile, can play coverage, fits in with what the Packers like to do, which is play a ton of DBs, and a relatively cheap contract. The Packers' issues have been their inability to cover. They are bolstering that through the draft and free agency. I thought this was a very good signing. I've never heard of Adrian Amos before, so that's why I think it's a bad signing. That would be my bad cop reaction to this. But, of course, I, I like the signing as well. C.J. Mosley. The attacks are, are hurtful. The attacks. It's okay, I'll, re- I'll, I'll read another uh, mean tweet here in a second. Um, next up, C.J. Mosley. Five years, $85 million, 51 guaranteed to the New York Jets. Let's just lump him in there with Le'Veon Bell so I can kill two birds with one stone. The positive uh, news here is um, they build a strong well, no. Um, Bart Scott went from the Ravens to the Jets and did well. Here's the positive news. They have Sam Darnold. What's your take on this? I mean, this is sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. The Jets lucked out when Barr reneged. They sure. were not as lucky here with Mosley. Well said. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about this is that I mean, this contract is astronomical. Think about what the Raiders are going to have to pay. Dang it! I'm supposed to be positive. Not going to say it. Not going to say it. 
Uh, okay, let's keep going. Um, Trent Brown, four years, sixty-six million, thirty-seven guaranteed to the Oakland Raiders. Here is the positive spin on this contract. There is a chance that Dante Scarnecchia is so good that he has actually changed Trent Brown, and that when Trent Brown goes to Las Vegas, where they have all of the amazing buffets that the world has to offer. He will actually resist. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> and be a stud left tackle, also converting Colton Miller to the place that he can finally succeed. Oh, you're getting a contact Starnecchia. Wow. Okay. There it is. <laughs> so here's the thing. Las Vegas is way too freaking hot and humid on a daily basis. True. Trent Brown will block out the sun and allow Derek Carr to be more comfortable in the pocket in their new home. You're, ba- you're bad cop, though. He's, oh, that's right. Okay, sorry. I don't. I'm not good at this. No, this is. I mean, this is an, a clear and and uh, definitive example of taking something that's average in a good scheme and bringing it to an average to below average scheme and hoping it'll succeed. Look, if you cannot learn from what the Giants did, you've got to do it. Uh, Bobby Hart. That was semi negative, not totally negative. Bobby Hart, three years, twenty one million. Back to Cincy, Vegas. The positive spin on this, $21 million in Cincinnati. Basically $100 million. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, and so despite the fact that Bobby has the heart of a champion, um, he was I, what one of, what, three tackles that gave up like more than 10 sacks last year? I mean, this is, this is not going to be uh, a, a good... Uh, Hope, let, let's just hope that the, the Bengals draft somebody so that Bobby Hart can be the most expensive swing tackle in the NFL. A player that is far better than Bobby Hart, signed by the Buffalo Bills, Ty Niseki, uh two for 14 Niseki. and a half. Uh, this, I thought, was one of the better signings of the entire free agency process. I predict that in two years he will re-sign for perhaps what Trent Brown is currently making. I think he will be better than Trent Brown uh, over the next couple of years. I Yeah. Josh Allen is going to make tackles look poor, no matter how good they are. And so this is... I, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily as... Uh, I mean, that's the nice thing about our grading system. Right. Yeah. But, so. I, but, but to the degree that people are are not looking at that information and just looking at, look, let's watch some film of Josh Grind Allen running tape, into a baby. sack. Grind some tape. Uh, Eric Weddle, two for 11. Another example of a great team with great culture pilfering, stealing a player that is going to play to maximize what he has left in the tank on this team and this culture. I thought this was, again, one of the better signings so far can't have enough guys that can cover deep yeah i think the issue here is of course that weddle uh weddle too versatile uh he he misses too few tackles he covers too well in the slot uh he's been a part of too many winning teams and yeah there you go uh we get on to the lions now trey flowers five years 90 million 56 guaranteed uh the good news well, uh, he'll be productive rushing the passer, and that's what you hope for. Yeah, it's going to cost them though, and and the issue is, of course, like when we first saw this, it was about sixteen million per, which I thought was a pretty reasonable deal. At eighteen million per, with fifty six guaranteed, that's a lot. You're you're kind of I, I I think he's less of a Trent Brown than absolutely than than Trent Brown, but at the same time. You're buying into this idea that somehow Patricia can do what Belichick did, and oh well, we saw that last. That's a year. long-term winner. The um, the positive spin on this is that Trey Flowers is a pass rusher. Pass rushing is stable. We would expect him to continue to be solid. The issue is whenever you have a player that was great for the Patriots and they decide not to pay him, that probably means something. Um, Jordan Hicks four for thirty four. Um, the great thing about Jordan Hicks is that he is a couple years removed from being very valuable over a win above replacement because of his coverage ability. You're, you're buying a player at the bottom of his value, but you know the possibility. He came back and showed some signs. I thought this was a great pickup. 
I just don't think he's tough enough to play linebacker in the NFL. I really like if, what, if I can get a linebacker like Mosley <laughs> for seventeen mil a year. I mean, I'd take him over a guy for less than nine. That's what's if hilarious. The guy's offering toughness to my team. How quickly can you answer this question? Would you rather have CJ Mosley or Jordan Hicks at the same uh, price? They they don't have anything to measure how quick. Yeah, it's it's Jordan Hicks, and it's not even close. Um, like what the cards are doing. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Sheldon Richardson three for thirty seven to the Cleveland Browns. The positive spin on this is the Browns are winning the Super Bowl this year, so he gets a Super Bowl ring. He doesn't have a lot of. I know he's 14th in pressure among interior players, but he just doesn't have the sacks, dude. Just doesn't have the sacks. Forgot about that. Yeah. Forgot about the importance of sacks. Uh, Lamarcus Joyner to the Raiders, four for 42. Um, so, I think this is too much for Lamarcus Joyner. I don't think it's way too much for Lamarcus Joyner. Are you playing bad cop or good cop right now? Hold on. Okay. Hold on. But the reason you are the Raiders, you are rebuilding, you're going to have to pay a little bit of a premium to get good players onto your team. And so they're doing that here. Unlike uh, the Trent Brown situation, I think Joyner will greatly help a team that can't cover anybody and uh, will help rebuild the culture in Oakland. Uh, My negative would be that Joyner's is too much... so he hasn't played safety for that long. You're kind of buying into two-year sample of that, um, and and that's a lot of money for a safety market that is pretty de- should be pretty depressed. Given Weddle got what he got, Earl Thomas four for fifty-five. He is a package deal in this good cop bad cop with Mark Ingram at three for fifteen. So my positive spin on this is that Earl Thomas is when he is playing the best safety in the NFL. And uh, you're going to need to be able to keep that defense intact. And once the defense has your team in the game, you're going to need a guy like Mark Ingram making five mil a year to back up Gus Edwards. A couple more here. So uh, this one is probably the best one. Nick Foles, $22 million. (sighs) The positive uh, is that you have paid him enough to earn the respect of the locker room the second that he sets foot in there because everyone knows that the quickest way to earn respect is just to be making more money than everyone else. It's a proven fact. Why did he Science. need the nickname if he needed the money? Right. It's, it's hilarious. Like, it actually flies in the face of everything that we have heard. Acquiring the nickname have been enough for the respect. Well, here's the interesting thing. We have seen already, the proof is there, that when you make him an underdog is when he succeeds. Interesting. But you have now made him a favorite by paying him $22 million a year. So, uh, was it would have been that hard to call the Vikings and say, what price did you pay for the respect that Kirk got in the, in the locker room? All, man, what would you have to pay Kirk Cousins to continue giving pep talks pregame, the huddle pep talk? It I wasn't bet enough. Nick, wasn't I bet Nick enough. Foles is at least better at that. Um, all right, that was good cop, bad cop. A couple of other things here to, to talk about. There's some more, some more teams that have done some things. Um, your Chiefs, Honey Badger, Carlos Hyde. You must be very excited about Carlos Hyde. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can sign a backup running back for more than what you could pay a rookie, you do it. (laughs) You have to do it. Um, The best player left in free agency, I think we both agree, is Ronald Darby. Would signing Ronald Darby make up for Carlos Hyde in your mind? Yeah. None of these teams are perfect. (laughs) Bill Belichick drafted Sonny Michelle in the first round. This is true. This is true. Um, the Cardinals also got Terrell Suggs. I thought that was a good move. They also signed Robert Alford. Um, let's move on to the AAF. The AAF. Uh, our pick last week was Salt Lake plus five and a half. I tried to watch the game. I struggled through it. I made it through the second straight defensive touchdown surrendered by Salt Lake before I had to turn it off, before I threw things into glass, uh, the glass windows in my apartment. You, you know it's a good pick 
when the other team scores two defensive touchdowns and a third one set up by a, another turnover, and you still get the cover. Yeah. So that, so that was a great pick. You guys want to make sure you check out um, the AAF picks of the week. Eric will be live tweeting most of the games. Actually, our buddy Arif. You want, is, if you can't, if you don't have internet access to watch the game, like you can't stream it, you can just go on Twitter and a reef will let you see every single play that is worth worth watching. So you can go check it out. So this week, Eric, lead me. Oh yeah. So Orlando's the best team in the in the AAF. So okay. uh, I yeah, think that there's some places where you can get them for plus one twenty five to win the entire thing. Wow. I actually think that's some value. What do you get if you win the AAF? respect in the locker room is it like free is it like uh the free taco <laughs> night at taco bell if you respect hold it if room. you hold a team under 100 respect in the locker room. you get respect with a k and then some free yeah. tacos so yeah so this week i think probably the the best value is birmingham plus six at our san diego fleet <laughs> on sunday night does that mean i get a chance to bet on MVP of the AAF, Trent uh, Richardson. Yeah, so Birmingham like got a spark last week with the quarterback change. San Diego won in the game we talked about with Salt Lake, but they needed three, essentially, gimme touchdowns to do it. Yeah. Mike Bercovici is still Mike Bercovici. They are laying six at home. Mike Berkovici, nice guy. Yeah, I think Birmingham, though, Positive. I think Birmingham comes in with their defense and covers that six points. Beautiful. That was your AAF. Now we're going to go on to our team uh Review slash preview for the number five pick, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Great news. They signed Donovan Smith. Uh, oh, I didn't have great news in there. I just interjected it because it's my new positive vibe. Three You're years, doing a great job. $41 million. Guy that has been basically uh, an average tackle, so got to pay them. Uh, they were 5-11 and 11 last year. So, almost somehow, right? They had one of the highest graded on a per snap basis quarterbacks in Ryan Fitzpatrick and yet win five games they start off by beating the Saints in what was a huge get huge underdogs like you would have figured they were sailing over this number yeah they started the season off 2-0 they beat Philly in week two at home they over under was six and a half we had about 6.68 so kind of right on that number somehow don't go over that despite starting the year 2-0 um, they had that Monday night game in week three against Pittsburgh where they almost won. They, you know, yep. We backed them against Chicago plus three, lost. We had the under in week one, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I think that game went over by halftime. And then we at week 17, our Falcons minus one at Tampa came back from 17 points down to win and cover. So we finally got a win. Last year, we were one and six picking Tampa Bay That's games. Not, it's not good. This year, one and two. So it's really been a team that we've had a difficult time figuring out. Their most valuable players, as you said, Vita uh, Vea. Fitzmagic. No, it wasn't Vita Vea. M- Mike Evans, OJ Howard, Deshaun Jackson. There's a theme here, by the Would way. Would have thought for sure first round pick Vita Vea was Chris there. Godwin. So all these members of their passing game. And then Levante David, the mm-hmm. linebacker the 49ers just signed. Um, and then their least valuable players, Caleb Benovich, Cameron Brait, Isaiah Johnson, Adarius Taylor, and William Golson. By the way, I managed to get through free agency without talking about what you just mentioned, and you didn't call me on it. So that's a win for me. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. So the, the Buccaneers offense, the Buccaneers are really this classic example of like how, how much the rushing game doesn't move the needle. So Tampa was 11th in total offense in terms of EPA per play, 7th in passing. 32nd in running. So you're the worst running team in the league. You're still somehow 11th in expected points added. On defense, they were 29th in EPA allowed, 31st in pass defense, 14th in rush defense. So they're they're still negative. You know, they're giving up negative expected points for run play. 5 and 11. But they're giving up a ton of pass. And so as we see here, coverage matters. uh, And and Tampa Bay really struggled there. Funny thing about being seventh and passing is that both guys that played quarterback for them just turned the ball over left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that tells you how much they were generating on a per throw basis to overcome those turnovers. There were many of them. Of course, this season, the real return isn't necessarily Vita Vea. It's uh, Bruce Arians, who's bringing in what you would expect to be something similar to the offense that he ran with Carson Palmer and the Cardinals. Now, most people remember the tail end of that offense, which was not very pretty. And that 
was in large part because while well, Carson Palmer is a statue, their offensive line was a sieve, and you shave a couple of tenths of a second off the time you have in the pocket, can't quite get the ball 15 yards downfield every single play. Well, they went 8-8 eight and eight that year starting Blaine Gabbert and Drew Stanton for half the season, if not more. So like, I think Arians is pretty solid in well, terms of, you know. He certainly is. I mean, in, in uh, 2015, they led the NFL in EPA per play. Carson Palmer was an MVP candidate. I don't think anyone's going to say Carson Palmer, you know, is a cluster one quarterback yeah. on balance, right? They dominated the intermediate level, gained more expected points uh, per intermediate throw than any other team in the NFL. They threw more of them than any other team in the NFL. Um, so if they can just get, you got to feel like, James Winston slash Ryan Fitzpatrick, sort of the perfect quarterback tandem for Bruce Arians. James Winston was a guy who finished second in positive throw rate last year. Like the guy made some throws. The problem was he was 30th in avoiding negatively graded throws, 31st in avoiding uh, turnover. That's a trait that sticks. So, but here's the thing. If you are going to somehow win with a guy that is doing that, you need to have an offense like Arians has proven he can generate that is going to give him throws to make at the intermediate yeah. level to take advantage of it, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and so they lost Adam Humphreys to Tennessee. Humphreys was like the next player on the most valuable list. They traded Deshaun Jackson. So right now they're going in with Mike Evans and they're going in with uh, Chris Godwin as their two starting receivers. Yep. we got a question here on Twitter by Lord Adam Murfitt who was basically asking about a running back, so we'll ignore that, but... Also, what will Definitely. Perriman bring to the Bucks offense under Arians? I think Perriman showed us something a little bit in Cleveland last year, sort of a deep threat, a guy very limited in his skill set. But I do think we've seen that in Arizona before with the John Browns and, and the guys that can run the deep yeah. patterns. That is certainly something that Arians values. And so I think as a third receiver in that offense, he just signed there this, this week, will be, I think, an underrated signing in my opinion. Interesting. I was going to say... That you know, everyone's going to talk about how this is going to help Mike Evans, and I think it will. But to me, Godwin and Howard are the guys yeah. that have the potential to just really shine here. I think their offense, if that offensive line can just hold up, right, can be really good. The thing that I would like to see them add, this is going to, not at five. We'll talk about pick five here in a second. But what I'd like to see them add is a running back that can catch the ball. Yeah. We saw what David Johnson was. He basically became a receiver, right? His average depth of target was about four yards downfield with Arians. If they can get a guy that can do some of those things, maybe in the third round or something of this draft, right, that could really be a weapon. Um, yeah, like James Williams from, from Washington State's a classic example of a guy who is like James White, where you just you put him in there yep. and he's an extra receiver. He can flex out. He does a lot of those great things. I, I agree with you. Because none of their backs are any good, and, right. and they haven't shown that. Here's a question from Moo12152, who is you know, a pretty good follow on Twitter. Do they trade Jason Pierre-Paul for a solid corner? If possible, I think he likes the cut of our jib. He understands what our answer to this question I'm would sorry. be. That's possible? I mean, I think that there are still teams that value edge players over coverage players. If so you if called me and you said, hey... I'm giving you JPP George, and a three. We're for both GMs. Trey I'd like Waynes. to trade you uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. And my response is, oh, for what? And you start saying corner. I'm hanging <laughs> But up. But if you're Minnesota, right? Everson Griffin's falling off a little bit. They, they really don't have anybody behind him. Yeah. And you're trying to trade Trey Waynes. I think that would be ideal. To me, I think this goes hand in hand with what you're trying to do and accomplish with that fifth pick, right? So if you're not going to take a quarterback, which... Look, I don't think should be out of the question here. Certainly, you've got to be looking at, you have to be looking at a guy in coverage, right? I mean, they were brutal there. Um, Brent Grimes is a free agent. And as uh, this gentleman with the Jerry Curl on Twitter asks, uh, what do the Bucks do with Vernon Hargreaves? PFF underscore Stev? Estevan? Estevan. Uh, he says, what do you do with Vernon Hargreaves? And that's a great question. Hargreaves, a former first-round pick, yep. started in the slot, moved out of there, moved back, has really struggled. I mean, I think... I think you've got to be ready to, to move on. Cut bait there. But if, but if he can... I mean, we've seen before corners who focus on the slot 
have been able to later on in their careers generate some value. Patrick Robinson's, for example, where it's they're not exactly lost cause, and there's a ton of value in that position. So yep. I think you try him there, and then you know. But I but they do have to draft. I think at the position heavily, especially given uh, you know the types of players that will be available to them at five, and hopefully when they move back, if uh, you could you know, somehow so. entice the Giants to trade up with you and you can get an extra you know pick somewhere um that i think that would be ideal but i think you probably try and move back and and acquire you know one of those three corners right uh deandre baker uh greedy williams byron murphy one of those guys uh you know in the middle of the round and hope hope that there's a player someone wants to move up for there's enough plausible deniability for the bucks at five new coach quarterbacks that have struggled you can, I think, convince the Giants, look, we're in the market for a QB. If you want to secure a QB, you better trade with us, and yeah. you could pick up an extra pick, move down a little bit, get, get an opportunity to get more value um, because I think that that's really where Tampa – I mean, there's, a, there's good corners that will be had in this draft, and I think Tampa Bay should come out with at least one of them given all the, the deficiencies they've had uh defensively for you know three four years now i mean i talked about how the niners numbers and coverage covering wide receivers was like abysmal the bucks are at the bottom of every single coverage metric that you look at yeah. they made the the raiders look like a passable coverage unit at times so they really need to focus on coverage and with an offense that could be as good as i think arians and and you know winston if he kind of gets it together with those receivers if you said that their win total was six and a half over sounds enticing to me yeah i so i mean if you're looking at if you're looking at the scope of the nfc i think the nfc as we've seen it last year was far more mediocre than we gave it credit for you're there there's a big question i think what's a what's a regression candidate next year new orleans right new orleans uh, you know the NFC North is. I think you're going to see the Bears regress a little bit. I think Minnesota is a question mark. I think even in their own division, Atlanta. It's like I'm not exactly sure what to expect out of Atlanta. And then Carolina. We don't even know if Newton's going to play. You know, and and so if you're just talking about like, I mean, just leaning into a record. We've seen Arians get to eight and eight with far worse. In far terms of, worse. And so I I do agree with you. I I would be interested to see what the 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 number is after laying a six and a half last year. Getting only to five. I mean, if this thing's opens at even if in the fives, man, I so think it's a lot. Okay, so I was going to say to me, this is opening at seven. Okay, I, that's. I think they deal with it. They tinker with it. Use it, you know, with the juice as as appropriate. But I think it actually opens higher. I think the love for Arians um, is is great there. But if it's five and a half, then. Uh, I'm I'm here to take the over, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it. Next week we've got you dressed in splendor, in glory. Make sure you check that out. Don't you know? Bring any children. Um, we don't want to scare them. I have to go to the tanning with the guns. And Fred Gadelli will be joining us, Hall of Fame producer of Sunday Night Football. Already tan. He is already tan. Yeah, that's true. I am not. I get called out for it a lot. It's sad unfortunate but oh well see you guys later peace